0: Luke 1, if you got your Bibles, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we t- I want to talk to you this morning about forerunners, forerunners, and uh, recognizing the signs of the new world and knowing our focus, knowing our focus in this world, Brookside and hopefully the church at large, but uh, especially Brookside today, knowing us, what, are, what is our focus now in an ever-changing new world, Things changed uh, during the pandemic, and uh, many people kept having anticipating and hopes that it would go back to to normal. And the fact is that it's not going back to normal. And uh, there are many things driving this, many forces driving this today. And so uh, there is a new world order that is being pushed and being put in place. And things are changing from what the old order that has been in place for many, many years, with America leading that order. In most cases, that is uh, that is slowly changing and will continue to change. And so uh, we're going to uh, how how do how do we as the people of God what do we do in in this time and in this ever shifting world? So we're going to look at this. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's find out. We need to be forerunners. Forerunners go before the change. They, 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 go, they stay ahead of it, and they stay ahead of the curve. So what I'm going to tell you today, if you will heed this, and if we will do it, we can be ahead to help people in where we're headed and in what's going on. And I think the church, the last uh, several years, has been on a, in in many cases, been on a wrong trajectory. And and I think we need to get it realigned. And you as forerunners can be on the forefront of that. And we can get back to where I think we need to be as the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, as we move forward into this changing world. So let's pray and let's see where God wants us to go. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, again for uh, the beautiful worship today. We thank you, God, for this house of worship, God, and the houses of worship all across the world, God. We just pray that you would just pour out your spirit, that you would unify us, God. Uh, Lord, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, God, one church, Lord, we're one and we want to be one in you and we want to be unified, God, in this last hour. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit, God. This this church, uh, if we're truly the people of God, should be led by the Spirit, just as the church over in Moldova or some other part of the world, God, we should all be being led by the same Spirit now. And so, Lord, help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And God, help us to draw nearer to you, God, in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. As I said, forerunners go before a big change and are ahead of the curve, and that's what we want to do. And as I I mentioned, the world changed in a major way uh, with coronavirus, the world changed, and now with a war that's going on in the Ukraine and wars everywhere. If you were to count the wars that are going on, there's more wars going on in countries than probably are not going on. If you just knew what it, what is going on everywhere, there are wars everywhere. We're, it's not just Ukraine. There, are the, there, the, Gaza and the uh, right now the Palestinians in Israel are lobbing missiles back and forth. There's rocks thrown on the Temple Mount. There, there, Nigeria there. Was some stuff going on. There's stuff in Africa going on. There, almost every continent on the globe, there are problems and there are wars and rumors of wars. There are people groups and ethnic groups fighting each other. And the world... Changed, like we said, majorly when we when we went through this pandemic. And we began to realize as we emerge out from under this that, that things are not returning to the way that they were before. They're they're a little bit different. And, and it won't again, as, as I mentioned, because there is a new world order that is being shifted. America is stepping back from this leadership role that it's taken for the past century. After World War II, we moved into a, a, a leadership role, but we're we're seeing our politicians even now beginning to back away and not and other nations and switching to different parts of the Lord, world and it's leaving this kind of vacuum now where there's no recognized leader in the world right now. It's really a strange thing that's going on and, and everybody's wondering and what that no recognized leader is causing as people begin to look is it's causing everybody to say we'll be the leader and it's causing violence and tension to take place all over the world. You got China. Vying to be the leader. You got Russia vying to be the leader. You got America trying to hang on to what she had. You got all sorts of things and pl- different pl- Europe trying to vie, Germany stepping up, different ones trying to recognize and vie for this different leadership position. And sadly, with all the vacuum and the n- nobody there right now, there's this pressure for supremacy and there's this pressure that's leading to violence in many places and war in many places. A lot of these little skirmishes are for. M- Uh, mineral rights and all kind of money rights and oil rights that are in these small countries that these bigger countries are going in and trying to get the money and get the power and get the world. Uh, If you get that you get the world control and so we're seeing all this dominance and all this clashing going on in the world. We're now entering a different world where in Europe and especially in the Middle East they are experiencing threats. We're seeing political divisions that will continue to mount and uh, in different places of the world. And so the things that are going on in this world, the body of Christ needs to know how. How do we focus? What is our focus? What should our focus be on in this world that we're living in? And there's some things that we need to focus on in an ever-changing world. Now, John the Baptist in the Scripture was known as a forerunner. He was the forerunner to Christ and to Christ. Look at what Luke said in Luke 1.17. Look at what the Bible says here. It is He who will go, John the Baptist, as a forerunner before him, the Messiah, in the spirit and the power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the Father back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now the spirit of the forerunner, it's saying, goes before, the Bible says, before the Lord, and here's what the plan is, to prepare the hearts of the people for the rulership to take place in their lives isn't that what we need don't we need to prepare hearts in this world for the rulership of God to come and take place in their lives I mean that's what John the Baptist did hey he began to go out and begin to preach the Bible says in the in the Judean desert in the wilderness make ready a people for the Lord make the make the crooked path straight to God bring down every mountain so that it can be leveled and the playing field can be leveled, and people can come to God Make every valley come up and be exalted so that there's a a, a known and easy way and path to God. And folks, that is exactly what we are to do in this last day and this last time. We are to prepare people's hearts for the rulership of God in their lives. Amen? And so the very last two verses before the New Testament ends is found in Malachi 4 and 5. And this is very, uh, this is before the New Testament, right? The next, you flip the page. There's 400 years after this of silence that's going on. And then you flip your page and there's the New Testament. And here's what he says in the very last two verses before you flip your Bible into a New Testament period. And it says, behold, I'm going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming and the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that so that I will not come and smite the land with a, Cursed," he goes on to say before the coming of the Lord he says I'm going to send Elijah who's going to come and prepare the hearts of people he's going to turn the hearts of the children back to the father the hearts of the father back to the children lest I smite the earth with a curse and so we know that John he tells us in the, in the New Testament he said if you would have only looked up and realized John came in the spirit and power of Elijah that's the Elijah that I was speaking of at this point that was coming at this day but what he's also saying is that there will be another day and it's right before the terrible day of the Lord right before the coming of the Lord God says another visitation is going to come in the spirit and the power of Elijah to prepare the hearts and lives of the people to be ready for the coming of the Lord and he says that's going to be another visitation and I believe that visitation is beginning to happen now to begin to prepare God's people. Listen, Peter spoke about it in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago after the death, burial, and resurrection. He spoke in the book of Acts. In fact, Acts 3.21, where he went to the gate, beautiful, and he healed a man, and he began to preach and talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that had just occurred. And then he said this, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. And I believe the restoration of everything, we're on the cusp of the resurrection. Uh, that that 2,000 years ago we preached last week about Jesus' death we preached about his burial we preached about a resurrected king we preached about us being resurrection witnesses who I hope now are going out in the spirit and the power of Elijah to tell people to prepare their hearts for the coming of the king make your heart ready for the rulership of God and trust in God and turn your heart to him because he's coming soon make ready a people for the Lord and that's what we're to do that's what we're to do Until the restoration of all things, heaven has received their king. Until the time of the end when all things are restored and then he's coming. Amen. That great and terrible day of the Lord will come. And I believe we're on the cusp of it. We might be entering this period of restoration of all things. How do I know that, James? Well, one way I know that is in 1948, there was a restoration of Israel to the nation, to the land that was hers. She came back after years of being dispersed all over the, all over the world in a day, a nation. Can a nation be born in a day? Oh, yes, she can if God's involved. Because in one day at the UN, as people were listening on their radios, all of a sudden they began to tell the votes this one votes yea for Israel that one votes yay for Israel this one votes nay for Israel this one abstains all the yays have it Israel is a nation and the world began to see the things that have been hidden for a long time now at the end of time is beginning to happen the restoration of all things amen what about the restoration of the gospel to Israel Folks, I'm sorry to tell you, your people, mine, Gentiles, where are they? They're not here. They don't believe in God anymore. You can't move a Gentile. You can't move their heart. But guess what? Jews are beginning to wake up their hearts are open to the gospel they're filling messianic congregations and churches all across the world while Gentiles hearts are becoming hardened and hardened through the deceitfulness of sin they're beginning to awaken we're talking about in the end times the restoration of all things the restoration of Israel the restoration of the gospel in Israel and folks messianic congregations beginning to come and the restoration of Jew and Gentile coming back together in the end those that are saved and becoming the true church of Messiah and folks this is all a signal to the world that this is the run-up or series or sequence of events that will prepare the way of the Lord Amen? amen hallelujah and something the last couple of years should prepare you it should be preparing your heart, These the, the pandemic, the wars. It should be telling you that something has happened. Hey, when have you ever been in the, alive when the whole globe, the whole entire globe was sick of the same thing at the same time all over the world? It's never happened. It's never happened in our lifetime. And yet it changed lives. It changed the economies of every nation on the face of this earth. And if it hasn't changed them completely yet, just wait. Just wait. It changed the lives. And these are the events that Jesus spoke about in the signs of His return when He began to talk to His disciples after they went up to the Temple Mount. They're there on the Mount of Olives. They're looking at this big, massive uh, building that all the Jews go and recognize that if we have this building sitting there, that God's in that building, and we can get, that's the place of worship for the people of God that they look to, and the disciples look at this, and they say, tell us, what will the signs of the end be and the return at the end of the age. And Jesus answers them. We're privy to go into this conversation, thank goodness, and to hear his answer. And look at what he says in Matthew 24. And Jesus answered them and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened For these things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Go on. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines, and there will be earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. He goes on to say that there's going to be coming harsh tribulation on the saints. He goes on to tell us that persecution of believers is going to arise and get worse and worse. He tells us that the whole nations of all the world will turn against this gospel. They'll hate it. They'll begin to lock preachers up. They'll begin to ban it and censor. Oh, that was great having church online, right? Guess what? The people who own the switch online are going to turn it off. They're going to turn it off. They're going to censor you. This is all a game. All this Elon Musk censored by Twitter. It's a game, folks. It's a game. Quit following. It's lies. It's deception. They're not going to give you free speech anymore. It's a game. Don't listen to the one side or the other. They're playing you. They're playing you, and man, I feel this is just falling. I don't know what's up today, but I feel such a spirit in here. I feel such a spirit, Father. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke every spirit that does not want to listen to this message today, God. I feel resistance. I just feel it in the name of Jesus, and Father, I just pray that you would speak to our lives. There's a heaviness. There's like a just a, a lethargy in this house, dear Father. There's like a we just like we're at a funeral, dear Father. Break through this place with your spirit dear God and come into this place and open the hearts and ears one more time of your people God open the hearts and minds of your people here and online and may they hear the truth of God's word may they not have driven with that expensive gas to come in here and fall asleep on the wall may they come in here and open their ears and open their hearts and open their spirits and listen to the word of God the everlasting word of God that has the power Power to change things even in a cold, dead, dry heart. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Sweep through us, uh, Spirit of God. Dear God, sweep through the self and all the junk, God, today of us sitting here thinking about us and let us think about you and enter into your plan now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Good way to not get stopped again let me hear a few amens. Let me know you're with me. Hallelujah. You want to get out of here quick? Give me some amen. Right? Tell me you're listening. Hallelujah. If you want to get out long, give me some amens. <laughs> he goes on to say, harsh tribulations coming, persecution, turn against the gospel, false Prophets. An outbreak of what Jesus calls a spirit of lawlessness. Look at verse 12. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Because of the lack of law. Oh, we think it's cool defunding the police and all these things, all these causes we're getting into right now. Lawlessness. Because of the lack of lawlessness without legal protection casting off the protection that we have around us casting off and the end result is a loss of love in their heart for good things like the kingdom of God because they're not protected and guided by the lawlessness uh, by, by the lawfulness of God's character listen to what he says in verse 14 and then the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony or as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come so we we're seeing these sequence of events. Am I truthful? Are we not seeing these secrets that I just read to you? Do you not see that in your news every day? Are we not seeing this breaking out in the world around us? Wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, diseases, all these things that we're seeing. Are these not happening very rapidly now? Lovelessness. How about last night on my news, my wife calls me in there, says in your old hometown where you grew up, somebody at Arby's just decided they didn't like the customer, so they threw hot grease on them. probably looked at them wrong. Lawless. In a society that probably won't do anything about it. Lawless. And, 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 And seeing these sequence of events that were running up to these things, the first one in these sequence of events, the Lord says, number one, be sure that no one misleads you or deceives you. This is the sign of the age that as we're running up to these secrets of events, as we're seeing these things begin to occur, here is the number one thing that happens in our age deception. Fake news. Turn it off. You're getting lies. You think you're getting the truth on Fox News, you're getting lies. You think you're getting the truth on CNN, you're getting lies. You think you're getting the truth on on this one and on that one, you're not. You're getting lies, folks. Everybody's got their narrative, everybody's got their spin on it, And, and you're merely getting people's point of view of what they want you to hear and what they want you to believe, amen? You're merely hearing people's points of view. Jesus said, see to it that no one misleads you because there is a spirit of truth. You want to know truth? The thing that somebody need, nobody wants to read anymore? You want to know truth? This is truth. Jesus said, believers have truth. It's not your television remote. It's not your Instagram account. It's not your Twitter account. It's this. You can know truth. Read the book. Read the back of the book. Come to know the truth of God. He says, I want you not to be deceived in this last day. I want you to know truth, the Bible says. He he says, you have access to the spirit of truth. And it's very important to know what the scriptures say. We are trying everything in our power to get you to read this book. We've got apps. We've got everything. And no matter what you do, you've always got somebody or something coming against truth. Always. Always fighting. Always got a word. Always got something against the devotion you got. Always got something to try to get people away from truth. Get in the book, folks. Folks. It'll revolutionize and change your life. This, I can't do it for you. You've got to open up the pages of Scripture and begin to read them right now. Or can I say, you are in a very dangerous place of being deceived. Jesus warned it over and over and over that deception is going to go out from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. Jesus said it's a spirit of lawlessness and it characterizes the chaotic nature of societies today. That's why you see chaotic societies. That's why you see misled politicians. That's why you see misled governments. That's why you see misled news channels. That's why you see misled people in your everywhere that you go to, in your families in your churches, everywhere. Because we are listening to the deception of the age that has come upon us out here always. And we've got so little of the truth of God that He's trying to pour into our lives. He's saying, open up this book. Open up your spirit to the Spirit of God and listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Jesus said, listen The same word for lawlessness is the same word Paul later uses in Matthew. uh, The same word Jesus uses in Matthew 24. Paul later uses in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. The exact same word. Listen to what he says. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it, the return of the Lord, will not come unless the apostasy, the falling away, comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. This is happening today. Every week, people, as I said last week, are so mad at God. They're so angry at God. They're so don't know truth. And they're so listening to the deception and the lies out of men and women's mouths that they are following the course of this world. And they are walking away from things they have known all their life. They're walking away from God and the goodness of God and the good things of God. And they're selling it for what? Ebola. Of soup, a bowl of porridge, a bowl of a temporary comfortable life that they think, and it's all for naught. It's all going to burn. It's all going to end one day. Even the best of life that you have here right now, even if you can concoct and create what you think is the best of life, is going to end one day. Amen? Just ask Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and all the other Hollywood people who've tried to concoct the perfect world on this side of eternity. Let no one deceive you in any way. That day will not come unless there's an apostasy or a fall away that comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. He's referring to the Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. He hates God and he hates the things of God. He hates what these churches used to stand for. He's fighting against everything. Everything that we've ever had sacred. Have you noticed that everything on the face of the earth is turned on its head right now? If it used to be good for a man and wife to be married, it's turned up, and every show on television and everything has got somebody with the opposite. I mean, everything now is the opposite of what used to be truth. If good used to be pretty and look good, today ugly is the new pretty. I mean, they have turned everything upon its head. Demonic and God. And this and that is all the new pretty. And and if you look like a normal, what used to be human being, then phooey on you, you're crazy. If you go worship the way that you used to do, then that's crazy. We are in an upside down world and you can see right here who it is coming from a man of lawlessness who exposes and exalts opposes and exalts itself above every so-called god or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God displaying himself as a god for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work Only he who now restrains will do so until he be taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end with the appearance of his coming. As the end times event unfold, lawlessness will begin to grow. Until it ultimately embodies itself in a world leader. And folks, this is growing and growing and growing and growing right now so exponentially fast. The spirit of lawlessness is beginning to grow. And it is going to ultimately embody itself in a world leader that's going to promise peace, going to promise security, going to promise to bring the world together. And in the end, he is a tyrant, he is a despotic ruler, and he has a heart of lawlessness. He is demonic and he is evil and yet the world is going to fall for this joker like hook, line, and sinker because they've already been prepared for it because they're not in this and they're in all the world stuff. They've been prepared the way of the Antichrist Lord rather than the prepare the way of the real Lord. So number one, deception will be the first issue of the day and we're in it you're under major propaganda you are under so much mind control if your kids go to public education they are in so much mind control I'm not trying to offend you, but the education system in this country is so demonic and dangerous. I got news for you. If you go to college like sadly my son just did, you're, 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 you're in such a bombardment. Uh, I'm, not sad. I'm thankful he's graduating this weekend because I want him out of there because it's such a demonic, godless, atheistic, sickening system. Amen? The second... This, this, the next sign of, of our age, and they didn't start that way. Most of them, if you'll study the history of this nation, started out as seminaries and as places that godly people started. And I realize there's still some good ones out there somewhere, but they're harder and harder and harder to find thanks to people like the AEA and all kinds of other people who just comes down from the government on down through these these paid-for, big-time people with all kinds of money that have agendas that they're pushing out on the whole society, and they're against Christianity. Number two, the next sign of our age is disruption it's not going to be business as usual coronavirus showed us this it shut down everything everything one little tiny tiny thing that you could not even see shut down the whole world And I've got news for you. There's more of that type stuff because Jesus said that in the last days not only is the deception going to go out into all the world, but disruptions are going to go out into all the world. Get ready for more disruption. Put your trust and anchor and hope not in the things of this world, not in the institutions of this world, not in your job, not in your 401k, not in social security to be around, not in all those things, but put your trust and anchor and hope in the kingdom, Kingdom that cannot be shaken. That is the kingdom of God. That is the one that's going to last when heaven and earth pass away and everything's gone. That kingdom will be around forever and ever. If you want a retirement plan, then you, you, you put treasure in heaven where rust and moth and corrosion and nothing can eat it, nothing can get it. If you put it here, I got news for you it can get wiped out tomorrow. Hallelujah. So, number two, what we should we do as forerunners? Number one, we should be aware and begin to warn people about the deception. Number two, we need to get we get in truth. Number two, we warn about the disruptions. Everybody wants to get back and they're selling their soul and they're selling their security. I can't believe some of the things people were doing and still doing in the name of security or in the name of trying to save their own lives. Not even thinking. Just emotionally reacting at some of the things that people did over these last two years. Astounds me. The, trusting the world, trusting the world system, trusting the health system, all the things that were going on, and yet just moved with emotion, moved with the with the sway and the force of the world, moved by the Spirit of Antichrist to do things that, that and it, it, this is just the just, just the cusp in the beginning, folks. If we can't run with the footman, huh, you know, right now, how are we gonna run when the full pressure comes on? Amen. When it's full pressure court, basketball. We've got to to get, we've got to prepare because more disruptions are going to come. But we put our trust in the eternal kingdom of the Lord. And if your trust is in the eternal kingdom of the Lord, then let the whole world shake. I cannot be shaken. Amen. Amen. And number three, the signs of the end of the age is dominion. About had some of you happy again, and I'm probably fixing to deflate you. But Jesus said it, I didn't say it. Our call is not to take dominion over everything. That's some of your Peter old natures. Let me cut his ear off. Our call is not to take dominion over everything. It's not the call of Christians to, to in a triumphalistic way to take dominion over everything. We are not going to bring the kingdom of God in by trying to conquer every mountain of achievement that we possibly can. Listen, listen, ours is an influence of love, of an influence of service and an influence of sacrifice because so many people are going to be pressing forward to take dominion and as everybody's pressing forward to take dominion they're going to be crushing everybody in their path And we are there to pick up the people that they are crushing and we are to love them and we are to serve them and we are to influence them and we are to disciple them and there are so many pressing for dominion. Right now politically the world is going to be dominated by rulers, by political powers, by forces that will be clashing against each other to see who can climb to the top of the pyramid and dominate the rest. But that is not the call for Christians and the body of Christ. Listen, we stand at the bottom. That's what's going to tick some of you off. We stand at the bottom serving those people who are being crushed down by the leadership conflicts at the top of the pyramid. And this is the time for Christians to be at the bottom and serve and reach out and make disciples to grow the eternal kingdom of God. Amen. We reach out to the broken, the hurting, the dispossessed, the stranger, the alien. And then our numbers grow and the kingdom grows. We reach out to the broken, the dispossessed, the stranger, the alien. Our numbers grow and the kingdom of God grows. We put broken lives back together and again we began to make disciples. That's what Jesus did when he came to this earth. That's what we do. That's what the disciples did. The growth of the kingdom is not about dominion. And you are now going to see a tremendous drive to dominate the world that is now going to be unleashed until the end. Uh, end of time and this leads me to the real focus of what we as forerunners are to do not only is there going to be deception not only is there going to be uh, things changing but not but and not only is there going to be this thriving force for dominion that crushes everything in its wake and in its power but here's what the real role of this church now moving forward and of your life as a forerunner is and our focus is discipleship discipleship i finally figured it out after all these years the most important thing for any one of us the core of all that we do whether you lead a congregation whether you're called into the marketplace whether you serve children whatever you're doing it doesn't matter the core of all we do no matter the gifting and the calling is to become a disciple of the lord it is to become a disciple and then to reach out and make disciples. Listen, that, that is the path. That, that's what we do. When we become a disciple, we're able to reach out to others and make them into disciples. Make another disciple. Becoming a disciple and encouraging the making of other disciples. You say, well, that's what the minister does. No, that's not what the minister does. That's what the minister's done for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and it's wrong. The ministers and the leadership here should be equipping you and we all should be going out of these walls and making disciples of all the world. Amen that's the center of the calling is to become a disciple when you hear the voice of God the spirit of God begins to come in and begins to flow into you and it accomplishes what he says power begins to flow enabling grace begins to flow and we are able to go out and and, and obey and accomplish and complete what God has called us to do and how to have God's power in our lives look at John 15 and look at what it says I'm the vine, you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him. He bears much fruit. Listen to what he says. Apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me he is thrown away as a branch that is dried up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. He says he says this. He says if no matter what is taking place in the world we can thrive because if you will abide in me and you will let my words abide in you. All of a sudden my words will bring you into line with my will, you will begin to talk to me and ask me for the right things and things that you need to do in this earth to obey and fulfill the commission and the call of God and I will give you an enabling power and ability to do these things as you do this, fruitfulness will come into your lives as you abide in me and my words remain in you, fruitfulness will come out of you and you will go about making disciples and you'll begin to ask things according to my I will, and guess what? The Father, he says, will be glorified in this. How many want to glorify your Heavenly Father? Amen. So, in closing, the last great commandment, does anybody know it? The last great commandment to his disciples before he, Matthew 28. 18 through 20. We've walked together for three and a half years now. We've been together every day. I discipled you. Now, it's your turn. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. I didn't really think that mattered today. I thought we could just kind of pick and choose what we feel is good for us or what the popular society or what the trend is today. I mean, if, I mean, that's, you do you and I'll do me. You know, you, you pick your form of, uh, you know, of what you think is right and uh, what I think is right. Is that, isn't that what it says here? Um, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo I'm always with you even to the ends of the earth The, the heart and focus of what the Lord desires from an end time church last year we spent a whole year trying to get you making sure you're right with God that you're on a firm foundation. That when the storms come, you can't be shaken. Oh, that you know that you know that you know, like Burl said a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So that we can move out of this place of always wondering, am I saved? Am I not saved? Does he love me? Does he not love me? Ah. And we can move into a place where we are secure in the Father's love. And we know the covenant God has secured us and bought our salvation. And now we transition through the power of the Spirit into the work of the Lord. And God is calling this church. We've been sitting way too long in these comfortable chairs and in these comfortable pews. And and, and we we need to go and transition into what the end time church should be focused on. So what should the end time church be focused on? Here's where I was getting so confused and why I couldn't really lead too well. Because in the past, to build a church, what we were told in all the church growth movements and in America is, fill up the seats with a lot of people. That's the goal. Fill up the seats and do anything possible you can to fill the seats up. Get the right music. Get the right lighting. Get the right chairs. Get the right this. Get the right that. Do everything the way that they tell you to do or what you should. Run it like a CEO of a corporation. Fill the pews up. If you fill the pews up, you'll get more offerings and more money, and then you'll be able to do more work in the world with that wrong. Maybe it worked some, maybe it helped some, but that I'm realizing is not the focus of what God is looking for now. And in these t- in times we don't, we need, we don't need more people in the pews who may or may not be saved, who may be carnal and fleshly. We need to realize that we need to produce a higher quality product in the churches across America. Amen. a higher quality product is what we need now we need we need to we we need uh, uh, to make disciples and we're beginning now to see this we need to go from the core of trying to fill seats and get as many people as we can and have these large groups and these mega churches to now we need to realize that the core of what Jesus is calling us to is to make disciples and to help other people become disciples and you can't do that in large groups it has to be done in smaller personal groups where you actually become it's going to hurt a lot of us friends you actually spend time with each other you don't run out the door and go home you don't hide behind a television at home and not get close to people you actually get to know the people inside this room and people outside of this room and that's Christianity. And that's the core of what Jesus is calling us to. Is to have smaller groups that we actually spend time with one another. We actually eat with one another. We have a function in the church and we can't even get people to come out to the function. We had one yesterday. Not one person showed up. It's sickness. And so I'm not pushing to have a mega church. I'm pushing to have a small group where I am a disciple and we become disciples. Smaller personal groups where we become friends. Anybody can preach to people that we anybody can teach. But not anybody can disciple. And God has called his people to make this. It's a command, folks. It's a command. He didn't command me to preach. I mean, He tells us to go out and preach, but he, but he commanded me to go make disciples in all the world, to discipleship. And so we need to, in this church and in all churches, it's to grow as a disciple ourselves, and then help other people become disciples. And we need to pivot from big numbers, and we need to realize that we need to produce a highly, uh, higher quality product. We need to become a factory of discipled lives, and we need smaller groups of friends. We need to do it how Jesus did it. That is how Jesus did it. He became a friend to people, and and he began to invest and pour into their lives, and he began to teach them his ways and his commandments and his. Life. And Jesus said, I'm going to lay down my life for you because you are my friend. And now I expect all of you to do the same for each other. Lay down your life. Well, I don't feel like putting my life out there for other people. Jesus says, lay your life down. Greater love at any man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Greater love has any man, and this is how he discipled them. They became friends. They became a group of friends. And and the thing about friends is, we don't all ever have a large number of friends. We have a few friends. But we we love those friends. We hang out with those friends. It's a smaller group where we network together, and we begin to invest in people's lives. They see what they see. Christianity. They hear Christianity. We teach them. We teach the children. We teach other people as we go along the way, and that's how we begin to do it. And another thing that the, the that the coronavirus is revealing it revealed that we don't need these big churches where we don't know each other. Where we sneak in. We don't become disciples. We don't want our life touched. We want to just go in, hide in the Pew and leave. No, we need smaller groups, intimate groups, where we become friends, where we begin to help one another, where we begin to disciple one another, and make true Christians. And then we turn around and begin to do that again. And this is how the second thing that that, that the coronavirus revealed is that that networking tools right now are incredible. What do you mean by that? I mean we are on a camera right now where we have people that are watching in Moldova we have people that are watching in Pakistan we have people that are watching in Illinois that can't find a good church to go to and they they get people in their living room and watch our service each week that is the kind of tools we have in this last day and time that are incredible we can get on a zoom meeting and be with people across the world looking them eye to eye discipling them and helping them so here's what God is telling us as our churches need to pivot and we as forerunners need to be ahead of the church beginning to do this is that we have small groups that we are intimate with and we're friend with and we're pouring our lives into but then we are widely networked to people around the world because you know what this kingdom is not just in Brookside, Alabama. This kingdom is a worldwide kingdom and we've seen that with the, with the virus and other things and with, and with war in Ukraine. We've got people that we can see and zoom with right in Moldova. We're right inside Ukraine, you can see people right now that are in a war torn place that are believers, and you can be on a Zoom meeting talking right with them. It's unbelievable the times that we are living in, and so that is what we do as forerunners we go before the big change and we began. To turn this this mindset and to change the church back to what it looked like in the book of Acts, where we're able to hear the voice of God and where their lives changed. And then as their lives changed, they begin to influence people. And that's the question I have to you in closing is do you influence other people with your life? Or do you just come to church? And then go back and come back next Sunday. I'm, I'm not talking down, most of us in this room do, but do you influence lives? Do you, are, you, are you discipling somebody? Does somebody come sit at your kitchen table or on the other end of your phone call? Will you take somewhere someone and, and help them in life and help them, show them the right way in the Christian way? Do you influence people? Because that's what God's calling us as forerunners to do. And pray this into being. That's what He's doing. And to go in the spirit and power of Elijah and to prepare the way of the Lord and to be a light that shines on a path ahead of the church to help the church begin to make this turn and become what she's supposed to be. Hallelujah. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, that you have called us in this last hour in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare the hearts of people for the coming of God. And Father, I believe your mode of doing this is through discipleship. That should be our primary focus of going ahead in this church is becoming a disciple and making disciples. And dear God, help us. Show us that, what that's like in the days ahead. Teach us what that means and help us to go and to fulfill these last words that you spoke to your church before leaving this earth. Go into the, all the world and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded. Oh, God, and I know, lo, you're with us all the way to the ends of, of the age. Lord, the signs of the age, coronavirus and other things have revealed, God, the sequence of these events. We're at the run-up. I believe we are. We're at, I believe we're at the run-up to your coming. I mean, we can see the deception. We can see the disruptions now happening every day. We can see the vying and the jockeying and the and and, and, the, the, and the world domination wanting dominion over everything. God, let them have it. It's all going to burn. But the kingdom of God will last forever. Hallelujah! They're just grasping it at, at, at sinking a sinking ship, and it's and, and it's sand. Oh God, but what, what, what I've put my focus and my heart and my hands on is eternal. And God, now it's time for us to show and tell the world this same thing. God, let us make disciples. Let us see people come into the kingdom of God. Lord, we're a global kingdom, God. And we nothing is going to stop your plans and your purposes from being fulfilled on the earth. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. We thank you. I thank you for this church, God. I thank you that this church loves you. They love your word. They love the truth. And God, I believe they want to be disciples. I believe they are disciples in most cases, and they want to be disciple makers. And God, help us to accomplish that in this coming year, Father. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.